This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Quran across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in thumma amma ba'd fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim wa attaba'u ma tatlu shayateenu ala mulki Sulaiman wa ma kafara Sulaimanu walakinna shayateena kafaru yu'allimuna al-nasa al-sihr wa ma unzila ala al-malakayni bibabila haruta wa marut wa ma yu'allimani min ahadin hatta yaqula innama nahnu fitnatun fala takfur فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا مَا يُفَرِّقُونَ بِهِ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَزَوْجِهِ وَمَا هُمْ بِضَارِّينَ بِهِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا لَمَنْ اشْتَرَاهُ مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقٍ وَلَا بِئْسَ مَا شَرَوْا بِهِ أَنفُسَهُمْ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ رَبِّ اشْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَاحْلُلْ عُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُوا قَوْلِي فَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَالصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ ثُمَّ مَا بَعْدُ once again, everybody, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We're going to start, inshallah, with a little bit of conversation about magic itself and Islam's view on magic. Um, there are two basic points of view on the subject. They're a little bit contradictory to each other, but I feel compelled to share both of them with you. One point of view suggests that there is, in fact, such a thing as magic. It has a certain effect on people. People can get, you know a spell on them or somebody's done some kind of... And, it, and magic involves the use of jinn um, and it involves the use of in, you know, incantations, calling upon shayateen, etc., etc., and getting them to do, make someone feel disturbed, lose their sleep, destroy a family, you know, this kind of stuff. That's one view. Uh, this view doesn't necessarily have concrete evidence in the Qur'an and Sunnah. It's kind of like a, almost an assumed reality because in so many traditions, the idea of someone being possessed or having a spell on them was prevalent. And even the Arabs used the word majnoon, someone taken over by a jinn, and sihr and magic. And you, you, you see that even, like the Qur'an will talk about the magicians of Fir'aun and things like that, right? Another view, however, is that there is no such thing as actual magic. That magic, I'll combine Ibn Ashur and Islahi's view, that there is such a thing as psychological manipulation. Uh, and some people are very, very good at... Um, kind of sensing that you're the kind of person, they know you really well, and they kind of look at you and say, you're going to wake up late tomorrow. It is 2 a.m., and you do have red eyes. And then you wake up late tomorrow, and he's like, how did he? Oh my God. He do- Amazing. What else? You probably didn't brush your teeth. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. How does he? He's wearing a gas mask. That's why... Because you smell like how you smell. So, so the idea is they, they actually, they're psychologically very apt, very adept. They, they can read people. And there are people who can actually tell a lot about you just by your facial expressions, right? That's a science. There are people who can be like human lie detectors, for instance. And they can sense nervousness. Some great salespeople can actually make a sale. They can sell you anything. They've got like, like you know, uh, Tony Robbins, if you're familiar this guy, interesting philosophy, right? He says basically, psychology is nothing but behavior, patterns of behavior. There's just only so many patterns. If you understand the patterns, 
You see somebody behaving a certain way, you say, oh, it's that pattern, I can manipulate him this way. I can tell him this, or this, or this, or this, or this. You know? You can walk into a, and, and, and sometimes salespeople, for example, are master magicians. Because you walk in saying, I'm not spending a penny over my budget. And you walk out three times your budget, and you actually feel guilty not making the sale. Like he makes, you owe him nothing. But you feel guilt. Are you really going to leave right now? Seriously? Boss, I'm doing everything for you. Yeah, I, I'm doing everything I can. I'm talking to my boss. I'm talking to my manager. You know? Seriously, you're just going to leave? And you just start, okay, I'll sign it. Yes, take my, take my leg too. Like, <laughs> you know? So one, one element of magic is, well, Qur'an even says, وَاسْتَرْهَبُوهُمْ Qur'an says about the magicians of the Pharaoh that they instilled fear and manipulation into people. In other words, they're psychologically very manipulative, very like uh, uh, cunning, and they prey on people that are, let's just say, not the sharpest tools in the shed. They're a little simplistic, easy to take advantage of. In Urdu they say, bhole log, sidhe sadhe log, right? They just take advantage of them. That's one kind of magic. Another kind of magic is actually the use of hallucinogens and um, chemicals and different psychological, like impactful stuff. Like they'll have like drops of blood and this and that, and smoke came out. But you don't know that the smoke is actually a hallucinogen. So you inhaled a little bit of it, and now you're seeing stuff. Like I see it. I I see it. I told you. Yeah, I die. You know, I'm flying. Yes, you are flying, you know. <laughs> but you don't know there's a little bit of too much spice in the thing. You know, they spike your stuff. and So they use chemicals and other kinds of drugs. And this has been happening for like, like centuries. It's not something that just happened now. It's been happening for centuries. And of course, the, the last kind of it is like a sleight of hand, you know, like yukhayyalu annaha tas'a, like the magicians of the pharaoh are described when they made the, you know, when the staffs turned into snakes, their, their, their ropes and their rods turned into snakes. Allah even says, they were successfully able to make it appear as though they're moving. You see, they were able to do illusion. They were masters of illusion, right? And so, you know, like people pulling quarters out of their ear and stuff like that, like those, those tricks. And so that, these are the three kind of, Ibn Ashur qualifies them as these three kinds of magic, the sleight of hand, visual kind of stuff, chemical biological manipulation type stuff and psychological manipulation, right? And then it, it works on what kind of people? Gullible people. You know the kinds of people that go to like talk shows and sit in the audience? Yes, it's true. Oh my God. Like those kinds of people. Like, come on over here. I'm going to saw you in half. You know, that, that kind of thing. So that's the view that Ibn Ashur and Islahi rahimahumallah, have and it's kind of like there's no such thing as magic at all. On the other side, there is, oh my God, someone's done sihr on you. You need to get ruqya done for like eight days straight. And I, see, I still see the effects of it. There's a jinn on you. I can clearly see it. I can see it from your eyes. And what that, and this, this view kind of rejects this whole notion of jinns possessing and all of it. And even, even like Sheikh Qardawi, rahimahullah, for example, or may Allah protect him, he even says things like, you know what, the word of Allah is the most powerful thing. How can. You know, even some people have argued that the Prophet ﷺ himself was uh, taken over or affected by magic at some point because of Labib, the famous narration of Labib, right? And it's found in Bukhari. 
But uh, I asked my teacher about it. I asked Dr. Akram Nadvi about it. He said, no, I, I actually, I, I think there are problems in the narration. I don't accept it. And I, he, from a principal point of view, says the Prophet cannot be affected by magic. He can't be. He's, he carries the Qur'an, the most powerful word in existence, and the purest heart in existence. It can't be. You know? So, the, so there are these problematic like narrations in between. Now, what, what, what am I at at this point? I think I can tell you that I have a definitive conclusion about my view on magic. But I will share you where I understand how far I understand it at this point. There are, there are, there is an element to uh, psychology and the human spirit that's beyond what Freud and these people have been able to figure out. Okay, we we all, we have an unseen thing inside us called the ruh. Right? The human beings have an unseen element to them. And we do have some things that are beyond uh, science in us. We have something called, like Allah calls it basira. Right? Insight. The Prophet would call it ilham. Like, you know, there are, all of revelation has discontinued except dreams. There are some people who see true dreams. They see in, uh, like themselves being in a car accident three days before they're in a car accident. It happens. That's a reality. In other words, there is this other world. The world, you can call it the world of the nafs. The world of the nafs, or the ruh. Okay? Now, the thing is, the, the way I like to look at it, I, I think this makes a lot of sense, is, سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ Allah says, we'll show them our miracles in the skies and in themselves. The thing is, human beings, when they came on this earth, they were seeking to learn. Just this, that's the human story, right? Everywhere humanity has been, we're just trying to learn. Learn about the world around us. Learn about the dirt that we walk on. Learn about the rock. Learn about the tree. Learn, learn, learn. And, and there are two kinds of learning. Human beings wanted to learn about the world around them. And they wanted to learn about the world inside of them. Their own self. Self-exploration. Now the thing is, when humanity started exploring dirt, the earth, we discovered something. We discovered that it actually has a lot of power. It has the power to produce the microphone, the camera, the internet, airplanes, satellites. All of this stuff, if you talk to somebody from 400 years ago and talk to them that I will be speaking and people on the other end of the world will be able to see me and hear me at the same exact time. What will they call that? No, if, you, if they saw this happen, what would they call it? This is magic. This is magic. What you and I do with our cell phones, the fact that we can capture an image and share it with the world, the fact that we, we take a piece of metal and fly in the air with it and look down on the cities we live in <laughs> from above the clouds, for any other moment in human history, this would be called what? Magic. There's no other way of putting it. In other words, I'm not talking in the literal sense, I'm talking in the literary sense, in the figurative sense, what we've been able to do by exploring the world is nothing short of magic. It's magical what, we, what technology has been able to do, what human exploration of the earth has been able to do. Yes? But there are two worlds. There's the world outside of us and there's the world inside of us. Now the world inside of us, Buddhists explore it, Hindu sages explore it, Muslims explore it, Sufi scholars explore it, you have philosophers that have explored it. You have you know, Christians that have explored it. There have been people virtually from every tradition that have explored what is going on 
inside. The study of, you can call it the spirit or psychology or whatever it may be. And the more you discover, just like there are incredible powers outside, there seem to be also incredible powers where? Inside. You may have heard of things like hypnosis or mind control type stuff or making you see things that aren't really there and all kinds of weird stuff. And it's not even stuff that happens just for Muslims. Like you'll see people like oh, 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 convulsions and stuff in like on Christian TV. Won't you see it? And not all of it is acting. Some of it's pretty clearly fake because the guy's like, hey, hey, you know. <laughs> but there's some real stuff and I'm like, well, how are they able to do that and Muslims are doing it and Christians are doing it and Buddhists have it and everybody's doing this like strange self-control, mindly, psychedelic type stuff. Why? There may be some reality to it and whoever explores it may find some power in it. It's not a religious exploration. It just, it's something Allah created that has a lot of power and when you focus on it and you study it and you explore it, you'll discover some things. There is an element of reality to it from what I can tell. There is such a thing. Now, the point of the ayah is going to be to shape our worldview of how do we think of that kind of magic. The magic that can manipulate people. The magic that can change your heart towards somebody. You know, if, if there is such a thing, in any and if anybody can do it, if anybody can learn it, just like anybody can learn, you don't have to be a Muslim to learn physics. Because it's just what Allah created and you learn it, you can learn how it works. So the nafs is not something Allah only created for Muslims, anybody can learn it. And anybody has learned it. As a matter of fact, a lot of these people that read your palm or tell you your future or this or that, the ones in the Muslim world are no different than the ones that are in the Hindu world. and They're no different than the ones that are on Wall Street. They're not, any, they're not really that different at all. right? So the ayah is going to shape our view on the history of this and how we're supposed to look at it. And it's going to have some, some very insightful things to offer us. So let's begin. Allah says, وَاتَّبَعُوا And they followed. Uh, this is a continuation from the previous ayah. What did they throw behind their backs? Do you remember? They threw the Torah behind their backs, they threw the Qur'an behind their backs, the book of Allah, they threw behind their backs. And when they threw that behind their backs, what did the population follow? They followed other cult, these cultish, occult, mystical, you know, divinations, omens, Give me something I can do. Like, you know, how many Muslims who don't have any exposure to Qur'an? They've been Muslim for centuries. Muslim families. In places like Pakistan, for example. How many mothers go to some saint guy who does some potion thing and they wrap it around their arm because they want to have a son? Right? They get into this stuff because they left the book. When you leave the real book, you have to get into this other stuff. وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا شَيَاطِينَ They followed what the devils used to follow and recite. What the devils used to chant. Now the phrase here is ala mulki Sulaiman. And the phrase ala mulki Sulaiman is important to note because uh, uh, Allah is saying that these, these are, this may have been adversarial. In other words, against the kingdom of Sulaiman. They said they have all this magic, he has all this magic, even though that was a divine miracle, we want it too. So ala could be looked at as against the kingdom of Solomon. They followed the devils in trying to oppose the kingdom of Sulaiman. Others say, Ala Mulki Sulaiman is actually calling on, invoking the kingdom of Sulaiman. Meaning, oh dark force, give me what Solomon has, or something. You know, I'm going Star Wars on you, but whatever. You know, the idea that they invoke 
Suleiman's kingdom. We want a piece of that. And that's actually been used and it's found in a lot of their incantations that they call upon the kingdom of Suleiman, right? Not poor Suleiman himself, alayhi salam, but they misuse what he was given and think that it was magic, right? Now, tatlu, the present tense in the ayah, وَاتَّبَعُمَا تَتْلُوا shayatinu. What the devils recite, recited and continue to recite. In other words, those magic practices and calling on Suleiman existed then and still exist now. I was talking to Sheikh, uh, Sheikh Abdul Nasir because he had been a, in a, a part of a few cases of people being affected by sihir and things like that, and you know, um, uh, you know, some jinn possession type stuff. And he told me that every, you know, on a number of occasions, he's found whatever. Whoever leaves this like ayat of Quran written backwards or strange devilish symbols and things like that, Suleiman is mentioned here and there somewhere necessarily. Like they still do it. Even the Muslims who get into this cultish devilish stuff, they still do this 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 kind of stupid stuff. Anyway, and and invoke his poor name. So Allah says, "Wa ma kafara Suleiman." And Suleiman himself hadn't done any kufr. Saying, "Why are you throwing? Why are you dragging his name into this?" You know, you, you threw other prophets' name and dragged other prophets' name in the mud, and you're accusing him of being the, the head sorcerer of all sorcerers. He didn't do any kufr at all. However, it's the devils. They're the ones that had done kufr. They're the ones that had done, uh, uh, in fact, the, the disbelievers. Now, this shayateen is mentioned twice. The first ayah was the, what, the, what the devils followed. And now, the devils were the ones, in fact, that disbelieved. One opinion that's also interesting is that the first devils is jinns. And the second devils is the human beings that used to get whispers from those jinns and then they used to follow it and they do kufr. Because human jinns, shayateen can be human beings and shayateen can be jinns. Okay? Because otherwise there's no point of saying shayateen did kufr. Because shayateen obviously do kufr. But it's the shayateen of the human beings that did kufr. Now Allah explains further, how did they do kufr? Now they learned this stuff from the jinns, and what did they do? يُعَلِّمُونَ nas as-sihr. They taught, they continuously continu- taught, and now still teach people magic. And another meaning of magic is what? Deception. Another meaning of magic is deception. And now you get to the part that's really peculiar. They taught people magic, and I'll translate first, in a rough way, they taught people magic and what was sent down on the two angels at, in Babylon, Harut and Marut. So they taught people magic and they also taught what was sent down to the two angels. By the way, if something is sent down to angels, who is it going to be sent down by? It will be sent by Allah. It's revelation. And if they're angels, they can only be learning something good or bad. Good. Something good. And now we're learning that people, they used to teach people magic, but they also used to teach people, or people also used to follow what was given to the angels Harut and Marut. And obviously what's given to the angels Harut and Marut has to be revelation. The question then became according to some ulama, maybe there's a difference between good magic and bad magic. And Allah taught good magic to the angels. Maybe good magic to counter the effects of the bad magic that the shayateen were teaching. But still, the angels were being taught magic, according to some. I don't find that convincing at all. The reason I don't find that convincing is here, Allah did not use the word sihir the second time. He says, they taught people, they followed what people, uh, what the devils taught them, which was magic, and they also followed what was sent down. Instead of saying, also the magic that was given to Harut and Marut, it's separated with the word ma, it's made ambiguous. Something was sent down to Harut and Marut, but clearly it is not what? Magic. It's not magic. Now, what is it? 
Islahi offers a good explanation. I find it very convincing. Uh, he offers the explanation, and, and in order to understand it, I'll take a step back. Du'as and adhkar in Islam. There's du'as like astaghfirullah, adhkar like subhanallah. There are uh, uh, prayers for Allah forgiving you on judgment day, easing you, entering you into jannah. There are du'as like that, yes? But then there are certain du'as that protect you when you walk into your home. There are certain du'as that protect you when you walk into the bathroom. There are certain du'as that secure your rizq. There are certain du'as that are used when you're sick. Aren't there du'as for these things? So there are du'as that are, the benefit of them is in your afterlife. And there are other du'as, which clearly in the Qur'an and in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, have a benefit where? In this life. So you want security when you're driving, what do you do? You recite the prayer of travel and you drive your car. And there are for a lot of these du'as, the Prophet ﷺ would even say, this is why you should make this du'a. It will protect you. It will secure you. In other words, by the way, when you make that du'a and you walk into the bathroom, you don't see any kind of lasers fire off and like... But in the world of the unseen, clearly something has happened. Clearly, shayateen have been removed from the equation, angels have descended, something has happened because of the words you said. Now when... Because of words you say, changes happen in the unseen. You can't, from a disbeliever's point of view, you can also call that what? You can also call that magic, right? We call it the effect of dua. The effect of dua. There are adhkar that you're supposed to do that help you. Like for example, we recite the ikhlas, mu'awwidatayn, we spit on our hand, we wipe it over our, our bodies, and we go to sleep. That's the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. It protects you. Ayatul Kursi protects you. And even the words of the Prophet ﷺ, A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamma. There's A'udhu billah. I seek refuge in Allah. But there's also, I seek refuge in the words of Allah. Meaning the words of Allah also have the power of offering what? Refuge. But you'll notice the common thing and theme in all of these words. When, when there's a worldly effect, it has to do with protection. Every time. Every time there's a worldly effect of a dua, of a dhikr, it has to do with protection. Some kind of, you know, isti'adha is done. Or i'adha is done from Allah. Allah offers His protection in some way or the other. It seems to be the case that these angels were given afkar, and in the context it seems, they would, they would also, they would first learn magic. From where? Shayateen. Then they get messed up. Now they're seeing nightmares. They're seeing shayateen everywhere. They can't go to sleep. They're getting jitters. Now what do they got to do? They got, can I make a dua? Can I do some ruqiyah to fix this? So where do they go for that? They go to Harut and Harut. Now teach me this. So it's like you're going to do the drugs, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, uh, uh, mess yourself up and then take the medicine. Then mess yourself up and take the medicine. So now they come to Harut and Marut and Harut and Marut say, we're just a test. إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا We are just a test. Don't disbelieve. What does that mean? First of all, the entire Qur'an is actually a fitna. The entire Qur'an. Fitna, not in a bad sense. It's a very difficult what? Test. Is the Qur'an misused? Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a fitna for some people. The Qur'an is a fitna for some people. They're saying, we're teaching you something good, but don't do kufr. Don't, don't misuse it. Don't take this thing that's supposed to help your iman and turn it into kufr. Now let me explain to you how people do that. How, how do people do that? 
when you get over obsessed with magic and undoing magic and which dhikr should I do and how many times should I recite and how many times should I blow and do this and do this and you do this over and over and all the time, you know what happens? You stop believing that Allah protects you. Over time, overindulgence in this stuff and you start believing that these words protect you or this, this chant protects you or this amulet protects you, this stuff protects you. And your reliance on Allah starts decreasing and your reliance on these words starts increasing. This is when the religion changes from a religion that brought you to Allah to a religion of charms and omens and chants. It becomes a different religion. For some people in this ummah today, the religion that brought you to Allah is only today a religion of some words that you say for protection for this, for this, for this, for this, for this. This is all the religion became. And when that's all the religion becomes, that is actually what? Kufr. That's kufr. Don't let that happen to your religion. Yes, this protection is there. But this is not all there is to the religion. And when you start, your entire world view changes when you get obsessed with this stuff. You fail an exam and you're like, Shayateen, man, the Shayateen got me. Somebody just spell on me. What should I do for the next exam? You're like, Allah, 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 Allah. I gotta, you know. And you've got this thing and you got the Akuma beads around you and like Street Fighter reference. <laughs> you got like all kinds of stuff going on to protect yourself or to do better. Or you know, you got into a fight with your husband. Oh, somebody's done, oh, somebody's done sihr on, on him. No, you... You went crazy, you threw a jug of water at him. That's not magic, it's a gash on his head. You know, that's... <laughs> but somebody must have done sihr. What can I do? Somebody gets a little bit depressed, oh, it's sihr. Somebody gets a little upset, oh, it's sihr. Now you start seeing magic everywhere, man. And when you start seeing magic everywhere, you don't see Allah. You don't see Allah as the musabbib al-asbab. قَادِرٌ فَوْقَ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ That starts going away. And you start seeing somebody's magic had this effect, somebody's magic had that effect. SubhanAllah. What a horrible thing to happen to a believer. That just artificially the name of Islam is there, but everything else underneath is just gone. The angels would say to them, we are nothing but a fitna, don't disbelieve. Allah is saying, you developed the legend of Harut and Marut, and you develop these mythical stories, here's what actually happened. They didn't, and, and one of the other readings of Ma or Ma Unzila al Malakain Bibabila Haruta Marut, you know what it is? They taught people, the devils taught people magic, and it wasn't sent to Harut and Marut at all. The Ma could be Manafia. In other words, the translation would be, no, it wasn't sent to them at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> Harut and Marut didn't teach magic, they taught something else instead, completely different. And what they taught was a fitna too. Now, this happens with Islam, yes or no? With Qur'an, yes or no? You know, people have like amulets of like, Alif, Lam, Mim, Kaf, Haya, Ayn, Saad, Yasin, some police officer pulls them over, and they're like, Kaf, Haya, Ayn, Saad, Kaf, Haya, Ayn, Saad, Kaf, Haya, Ayn, Saad, Kaf, Haya, Ayn, Saad. And the officer goes, alright, be careful, This I'm just giving you a warning this time. Like, works every time. You know, K-H-Y, you know. I don't know how you do Ayn, apostrophe, S. You know. Silly stuff. Now, the, the thing that I, the, the mindset that I'd like you to have so far is as follows. A person has a job. They get a job. And, a, you know, the, the boss gives them three tasks. Okay? And he says, if you can do this job, there are some benefits. There are some benefits. I'll, I'll give you, like, health insurance. I'll give you this, that, the other. These are the benefits for the job. If a person doesn't do their job, 
and only wants the what? The benefits. Are they going to keep their job? Are they considered an employee or are they expelled from the job? They're expelled, they are fired, dishonorably discharged, whatever you call it. They can't keep that job. The Qur'an did not come to hang in your rear view window or to sit in your dashboard. The ayat did not come so that they can undo your magic or to get the jinn out of you. That's not why Qur'an came. Why did Qur'an come? Qur'an came to guide humanity. Qur'an came to teach you the difference between right and wrong. The Qur'an came to connect you to Allah. The Qur'an came to teach you about the prophets that came before and to teach you respect for them. The Qur'an came for, to prepare you for the day of judgment when you meet Allah. That's why the Qur'an came. The Qur'an came so you can reflect in it and ponder in it. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ لِيَدَّبَّرُوا آيَاتِهِ Not لِيَرْتَقُوا So they could do ruqya. That's not why it came. It came to give you guidance. If you take it as guidance and you live by its guidance, it also offers you what? Protection. That is an added benefit. That is not the goal of the Qur'an, it is an added benefit of the Qur'an. Now, if your only relationship with the Qur'an has to do with the added benefit, then you have denied the goal of the Qur'an, and when you deny the role, the essential purpose of the Qur'an, that is what you call kufr. That's what you call kufr. The angels are saying, I'm teaching you something good, but you might take this good and turn it into what? Kufr. You understand this point? It's a very heavy point that I'm making here. It's a very subtle point, but a very important one for Muslims to understand. Because if you get into this stuff, there's no getting out. There's just no getting out. فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا This is amazing language. And thus they learned, they, they can, and they continue to learn from both of them, meaning Harut and Marut, مَا يُفَرِّقُونَ بِهِ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَزَوْجِهِ Now let me tell you the translation and you'll get one impression. When I explain it, you'll get another impression. The translation might be, they learn from both of them what they use to cause division between man and, man and wife. Okay? That seems to suggest that what they learned can cause division between man and wife. But actually Allah did not say, فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا مَا يُفَرِّقُوا بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَزَوْجِهِ They learn from them what divides man and wife. Actually Allah says, they learned from them what they use to cause division between man and wife. In other words, it should have been used for good, and now they started using it for bad. How? When you learn adhkar, if you've seen people that are into this kind of occult, magics, sorcery, kind of thing in the Muslim world, you know what they do? They'll take ayat of Qur'an, sayings of the Prophet ﷺ, write them in reverse, put shayateen's names in there, and devils, and this and that, and drawings and stuff. It's kooky looking stuff, but it's actually convoluted, sacred literature, manipulated and mutilated. They take the adhkar from the angels, then they mutilate them and try to turn them into chants. And they think it's gonna use to, it's gonna work, because it's gonna, you know, because this, in its normal form, was supposed to bring love between husband and wife. But now that we're doing it in reverse, it's gonna separate husband and wife. And they're really convinced it's gonna work. And some people think it is gonna work. Because they don't think. And then, what does Allah say? If you really think, they're gonna, and by the way, يُفَرِّقُونَ is the present tense, yeah? فَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مِنْهُمَا مَا يُفَرِّقُ مَا فَرَّقُوا بِهِ بَيْنَ الْمَرْءِ وَزَوْجِهِ The difference between the past tense and the present tense is huge rhetorically. If I say, for example, I taught you, 
I taught you. Is it done? It's done. I accomplished it. If I say I'm teaching you, or I teach you, is it done? No, it actually even suggests I'm trying to teach you. But I have, I, there's no guarantee that I succeed or not. The present tense here means they try to make division between husband and wife. Not that they do. They just try to do it. And then Allah says, whether it succeeds, succeeds or not, what's the next comment? Let me tell you how it works. وَمَا هُمْ بِضَارِّينَ بِهِ مِنْ أَحَدٍ They're not gonna be harming ain't nobody. Not a single person is ever gonna be harmed by them. It's not how it works. You don't just do some whatever you do and blow on some candles and take a voodoo doll and stick needles in it and somebody else is like, ow! No. You can't harm anybody. إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ Except... When, except by Allah's permission. In other words, if Allah allows someone will be harmed, if Allah allows someone will not be harmed. But that's not because of what you're doing. It's only because Allah is allowing. Allah is taking the matter back to Himself. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not to these omens. And so, what is the reality of it then? What are they able to do with this stuff? The reality of it is, وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ They learn what harms them and doesn't benefit them. So they they do this stuff, they learn this stuff to harm somebody else. Allah says uh, they're only harming themselves. And they do this stuff to gain some make some gain. Allah says, you're not gaining anything from this. You're not making any gains with this. Don't manipulate their religion. There are people, there are Muslims who are into magic stuff. There are Muslims that are into jinn possession and jinn calling and just absurd, stupid stuff. Stay away from this nonsense. Stay away from it. This is what happens to people in this ayah. Why is this ayah important? Why is it like the golden rule for all of this stuff? This happened to those people when they got away from their book. That's when this happened. If you're into this stuff, it's only because what's happened to you. You've gotten away from the book. Come back to the book, Allah will protect you yourself. Allah will, well, you know, Allah Azza wa Jal, He gave this book, He says, Qayyiman. About the kitab. You will not find other than this book itself any other protection. Come back to Quran, there's no better refuge than Quran itself. Give it its due. Give it what it wants from you and it will give you what, more than what you ever asked for. Quran will give you more than what you asked for. Don't go after its benefits. Go after its rights. Fulfill the rights of the Qur'an and Qur'an will give you benefits. This is how it works. So, وَيَتَعَلَّمُونَ مَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ وَلَقَدْ عَلِمُوا And these, the sad thing is, these were Muslims of the time. They knew. لَمَنِ اشْتَرَاهُ Whoever buys into this stuff. Whoever buys it. مَا لَهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ مِنْ خَلَاقِ He's not gonna get not a single piece of the afterlife. They're not going to get anything in the afterlife. By the way, people who get into this stuff, every time they get into this stuff, it's never anything they want for the afterlife. Why does somebody learn this stuff? These chants, these, tell me this dhikr or that dhikr that I can do for and manipulate or whatever. It's, I want someone to marry me or I want somebody to get divorced or I want somebody, this, that's all they want. That's really all they want. And notice of all the, all the harms that could have been mentioned, what was mentioned? To try to cause division between man and wife. Why? Because that's a product of jealousy. Some woman says, that should have been my husband. You know? Or some man says, that should have been my wife. I want them to get divorced. Or some, some mother says, how did she get to marry my son? 
you know, well, how did they get to get my daughter? I want my daughter back. And then they go to these crazy cycles and say, what, what can you do? And so now, this idea of purchasing, it's taking us back. We learned already about purchasing. Because we learned before, they purchased to save themselves. And now Allah is saying, whatever they bought, and whoever purchased, bought into magic, became a consumer of it, they have nothing to gain in the akhirah. And actually, they didn't buy anything. All they did is sell themselves. They sold, and literally the phrase, sell yourself to the devil. You remember the biblical phrase, they sold themselves to magic? Right? Look at how the Qur'an talks to them in their language. They have it in their book. This is why it's مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ It confirms what they have. They have exactly this phrasing. Allah says, how horrible it is what they sold themselves. By the way, Bi'sa is used when someone's very angry. What a terrible thing you've done. This is Allah's anger at the end. And the lamb on top of that. And what did the Bible say there? They incurred the wrath of God. Had they only known. In these last 10 minutes, what I want to share with you about this ayah is something just marvelous. This ayah is a like a, a pinnacle of, of oral literature. By itself, from a literary perspective, this ayah is remarkable. It's made up of 10 sentences. Okay? It's made up of 10 sentences. And the first two sentences and the last two sentences correspond with each other. And if there are two in the beginning and two at the end, what do you have left in the middle? Six, which are actually two sets of three. So there's two in the beginning, two at the end, then three, and then a corresponding three. It's a perfect symmetry. The other thing that's really amazing about this ayah, this ayah is that the entire thing is pairs. The entire thing. If you notice, if you go to the beginning, وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا شَيَاطِينُ عَلَى مُلْكِ سُلَيْمَانِ what two, what two characters are mentioned? Shayateen and Sulaiman. In the next sentence, وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانِ وَلَكِنَّ شَيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا Now Shayateen came up and Sulaiman came up. So Sulaiman is twice, Shayateen are twice. Now you learn, يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ sihr. They teach people magic. وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنَ حد. Skip a sentence and you find, and they didn't teach anyone. Teaching occurs twice. Sulaiman was mentioned twice. Shayateen were mentioned twice. Teaching is mentioned twice. Learning is mentioned twice. Teaching is so Suleiman is twice, Shayateen are twice, teaching is twice, learning is twice. Then you go on, they knew. The ayah ends In the last two sentences, knowing is twice. Because And then buying and selling twice. The trade is twice. twice. The whole ayah is marked by this beautiful pairing of twos every time. Now, if you go back, you'll notice something else. In the first two ayat, Allah said, What, what did they, uh, the, the shayateen did this. And, you know, the, the, Sulaiman is innocent. And they did kufr. What's the consequence of kufr? When do you see the consequence of kufr? In the afterlife. The last two sentences are the consequences of the first two sentences. I do I want to make another comment about these last two sentences. Knowing and knowing. They knew they're not gonna get any afterlife. 
They knew it. That's what the ayah says. That's what the ninth sentence says. But the tenth sentence says, had they only known. How do you say back to back, you already knew, and then say, if you only knew. Wait, you just told me I already know. Then how are you telling me if I already knew? Had I known is like a phrase saying that you didn't know. Remember when I started this lecture, I said there's a difference between knowing and what? Knowing. They knew they won't get anything in the afterlife, but they didn't realize, they didn't internalize what that actually means. They were like the kind of, to give you a contemporary example, they were like the kind of person who says, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I got it, I got it. And then later on they say, I had no idea. Didn't you say you know? No, but I didn't think it was like this. I didn't like no, no. You know, that's what's being said. That لَوْكَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ That's the irony of it at the end. Now, in the middle also, so the first, do you see how they correspond to the last two? If you look at the, the, the two sets of three, even the two sets of three are symmetrical. Because you have, on the one hand, يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرِ That's your third sentence. And وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ مِنَ حَدٍ Is your fifth sentence. The third and the fifth sentence are symmetry of teaching. And then the sixth and the, the, the or, or rather the, the fifth and the seventh sentence are symmetry in learning. And in between both of them are sentences that begin with ma. Ma unzila If I could draw this out for you, you'd see like this architecture. It's amazing architecture. What baffles me is Allah speaks like this to a prophet who doesn't know how to write or read. He just recites this as one ayah. And it's so structured and organized, you know, from beginning to end, you know. And it's, it's remarkable that Allah first of all says, Harut and Marut were not given this magic stuff. So don't attribute that to him. That's not from Allah. And then the, the other middle ayah is also, you can't harm anyone except when Allah wants. Mahum They're both about Allah actually. Absolving Allah of the accusation that Allah revealed magic. So yes, psychological manipulation exists. Some level of unseen kind of effect might be there. There may be such a thing. But it's not related, related to Islam. Anybody in any religion can study psychology or study the, the spirit or whatever. And Buddhists might do weird psychedelic things. It's, it can happen. You know, Hindus might be able to do it. Christians might be able to do it. Anybody might be able to do it. What the Qur'an is offering us is strength of thought. When we are students, proper students of the Qur'an, it makes us strong thinkers. And when you're a strong thinker, it's hard to take advantage of you. It's hard for you to get scared of this stuff. It's hard for you to get overwhelmed by this stuff. It's hard for you to get affected by this stuff. For two reasons. Your mind is not weak, and also because you're so close to the Qur'an, angels are protecting you anyway. So in the, in the material sense, in the psychological sense, you're protected. And in the spiritual sense, you're also protected. So your only real protection is give Qur'an its due. That's the, that's the essence of this problem of magic. When somebody's suffering through it, yes, okay, we can perform ruqya and help them. But really, what's the long-term solution for them? Learn Qur'an. Learn Qur'an. Because when you, and I'm not saying memorize a surah. I'm saying learn what it means. Learn what Allah is saying to you. And memorize it. And recite it with meaning and reflection. I, I leave you with this. The institution of tajweed. I may have talked about it in the series before. I'll repeat myself here. You know what tajweed is, right? 
You recite every letter, slowly giving it its due, making sure you, if it was long, you make it long, if it's short, you make it short, you know, and you enunciate everything very, very, very clearly. If you do proper tajweed, you recite faster, you recite slow. It slows, tajweed slows you down. You, you, you want to run over tajweed and do the express train, express train taraweeh, that's fine. But if you're going to do it with tajweed, you got to slow down. The thing is, when you speak Allah's words, slow down. It gives you a chance to what? Think. To think. The purpose of tajweed is not the qalqala or the ghunna or the idgham. The purpose of tajweed, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ So you can think. So you can think. Everything goes back to that in the Qur'an. It's a book that asks you to ponder and reflect. Then it's benefits. Yes, with every letter recited, 10 good deeds. That's a benefit. The, the one who memorizes it gets a crown. It's a benefit. These are benefits. Don't confuse the benefits with what you need to do with the Qur'an. That's why I personally don't ever accept when they say, we teach Qur'an here. No, you teach Hifd here. You don't teach Qur'an here. We teach Qur'an here. No, you teach the Qaeda Nurania, you teach how to recite here. That's not Qur'an. Qur'an is the message. Everything else is what's supposed to help you better take in the message. They are the add-ons, not the Qur'an itself. What have we done? The tragedy of our deen? The tragedy of our ummah? We do everything else but what we're supposed to and we call it we're learning Qur'an. Oh, mashallah, hafidh of Qur'an. Does he know the message? No, no. That's not for him. He, we, just, we just want him to just make sure he leads taraweeh. That's, that's why we memorize. We don't memorize because we want to know what it says. That's, that's for scholars. And you can learn that later. There's so many translations. Eh. That's okay. But he knows Qur'an. He knows words. That's all he knows is words. And parrots can know words too. And the Jewish scholars had memorized many books. They knew them. But you know how Allah described them? Mules carrying books. Allah didn't give that example in the Qur'an so that we say, Ah, rabbis, mules, donkeys, gade. He said that so we don't become gade. We don't, we don't fall into that trap. So I, I pray that this session was of, of some benefit to you. Inshallah ta'ala, keep yourself to, to, to stay away from Sihir, really the, the primary advice I can give you is connection with Qur'an. The secondary advice I can give you is just be, be watchful what kind of company you're in and what you allow yourself to take in. Really the only thing shaitan, shaitan has no control over you. In ibadi laysa laka alayhim sultan. My slaves, you have no control over them. You have no control over them. And if Iblis himself, everybody else is like children of Iblis. Iblis himself, all he could do with Adam was waswasa. All he could do was waswasa then don't think he has anything more than that for you. Just whispers. The problem is that whisper might come to you in a movie. It'll come to you in the filthy song you're listening to. <laughs> It'll come to you in the, in the nasty company you're in. Get away from that company and the waswasa stops. Just fix it. So those are the two remedies for it. May Allah Azza wa Jal protect us all from sihr and from khud'a and from deception. And may Allah Azza wa Jal make us a people of Qur'an like we are meant to be. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Our mission is to spread awareness of the message and divine beauty of the Qur'an across the world. Support our mission at www.bayina.org. That's B-A-Y-Y-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G.